Arts Report for July 16th, 2014. Tonight on the show, Karen Ward from Gallery Gachet will be joining us to talk about their current exhibition, Mad Cartographies, Wilderness of the Soul, and Mad Pride. Artist Arlene Bowman is in studio to learn the ropes and tell us about what she's up to. Arts intern Sahar will talk about Midsummer Night's Dream, and I'll tell you all about the folk festival coming up this weekend on Jericho Beach. Stay tuned. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Sahar. Hi. How are you doing? Good. And Arlene? Yep. Hi. We're all here rocking the arts report. And you just had a fill-in show. I did. It was was pretty nerve-wracking. Did you talk? What did you talk about? I talked about third culture identity. So what it's like being a third culture kid. And I just kind of talked to a lot of the people in my life and their experiences. So 
so that's what it was focused on. What's a third culture kid? A third culture kid is someone who has spent the majority of their development years outside of their parents' culture. So kind of like myself, because I grew up in Hong Kong, but I'm Pakistani. Mm -hmm. So basically their experiences moving between different cultures and creating their own culture, which is the third culture. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so, or it would apply also to kids growing up in Canada, but their parents are from other countries yeah, and have immigrated sure. mm -hmm. so they're torn a little bit between western yeah, values and definitely yeah definitely kind of you have like your foot in two different worlds and you're trying to reconcile them so, yeah um there are a lot of drawbacks to that but at the same time it's um it's something that makes you unique and, yeah um, you learn to embrace it somewhere down the road so yeah, yeah. and you also bring good <clears throat> things right yeah with you and mm. I mean, I've seen that in Vancouver a lot, right? This integration of cultures that's really beautiful and resulted yeah. in this sort of fusion of... That's true. And it makes you more of a global citizen, mm -hmm. which is what everyone should aspire to be. Good. Yeah. Well, and are you making that into a radio documentary? Um, no, I haven't really thought about that. I was thinking of maybe doing a show, my own show on something that would focus on transnational identity and ideas like where is home, but... I would have to look into that more, but mm -hmm. um, it's definitely something that I'm really interested in, so. It's a hot topic for sure. Yeah, and it resonates with a lot of people, because I remember putting it on my Facebook if anybody was interested in talking about their experiences with being a third culture kid, and I got so many responses. I actually had so many interviews on my audacity that my um, my file completely crashed. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so people have a lot to say about their third culture experiences. Excellent. So, yeah. Oh, cool, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're going to talk about Midsummer Night's yes. Dream, um, but I just wanted to say I just played the new pornographer's new single. It's out mm -hmm. today. What's it called? War on the East Coast. So that's a very hot new single. Um, and I also wanted to shout out Tommy Ramone died this week. So do you guys know the Ramones? Yes. Yeah. So he was the last living original member. Really? Yeah. So they're all gone. Joey... Johnny, Dee Dee, and now Tommy. Um, and he did a lot of producing bands as well, other bands. So he had a really uh, good music career. And I guess there was sort of a weird thing around his death. So he, I guess he was dying of cancer. And earlier in the week, people had started rumors, internet rumors, that he was dead. And a Facebook page sprang up, like, rest in peace. But he actually hadn't died. And then he did die on the Friday. And so then the rumors started again. And then there was all this stuff like, is he dead? Is he not dead? And it was really bizarre. So a few of us were online right at the time. And it was like, or lots of people, I'm sure. And it was like, okay, he's dead. And then it's like, oh, he's not dead. Because it was a hoax. And then it was like, oh, he is dead. So anyways, a friend of mine, John Worcester, wrote a really good article for Spin Magazine that's online about Tommy Ramone. So if you're interested in him and his life, it's a great article. So you can just Google that. Tommy Ramone, John Worcester, Spin Magazine. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll play some Ramones later in the show if we have time. But I don't think we'll have time because we have lots to cover. So Sahar, you got out to Bard on the Beach finally. Yes, finally. So um, yeah, I was really looking forward to watching Midsummer Night's Dream, that play specifically, because that's the one that I remember from reading high school Shakespeare plays. So, um, yeah, it was really, really exciting. And um, I, I was really happy that I got tickets to Midsummer's as opposed to the other plays, because um, I'm definitely a fan of the Shakespearean tra um, comedies over the tragedies. And, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, because you're told that it's on the beach, and I wouldn't, I didn't know how that would work out but it turns out it's um it's an enclosed stage and um and you just have like the sunlight seeping into the stage so it's not necessarily on the beach you're not on the ground it's mm -hmm. actually a, a proper stage and everything and um the the venue was gorgeous i think that was definitely um something that made the play stand out as opposed to just a regular shakespearean play and I really liked how they infused a lot of modern elements into the play. So they had a lot of contemporary hip hop music. And See, I don't was, like that. I hate that. I I'm like curious. That. Like, like, I'm just like, ah. Oh. Because I feel like having it on the beach itself is a bit gutsy. It yeah. Of, it's, it doesn't 
it's not the stereotypical Shakespeare venue. Yeah. But and like infusing the modern element makes it more relatable to the younger audience. Mm -hmm. Like it's a great way to bring Shakespeare yeah. to teenagers. Yes, for sure. That's what they're going for, right? They yeah. want to draw in a younger audience. Um, that's just me. I don't approve, right? Oh, because they're like, because the younger audience should be drawn to it That's versus, true. you know, but yeah, they did have those kind of a few modern elements in uh, the one I went to see, The Tempest, oh, okay, okay, uh, okay. but l it was maybe a bit more subtle than what you're describing. Oh, okay, because okay. I, can't, I can't imagine how that would tie into a more serious play like The Tempest, mm -hmm. but it worked really well for Midsummer Night's Dream because it's a comedy, so mm -hmm. it just kind of enhanced everything. So was it the actual music that was like hip-hop music? Yeah, like they had like, well, like pop music, like yeah. Billboard Top 40. Like they had a bit of um, that song Wiggle Wiggle. And, oh my um, God. And they had a bit of Robin Thicke's Blurred Love. Oh I absolutely hate. <laughs> I absolutely hate that song. But overall, it was it was really good. I was laughing a lot oh, towards good. the end. And um, yeah, and the costumes were gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah, my friend and I were just picturing ourselves in those dresses because they were just so shiny and just so pretty and um overall it was hilarious i thought it was such a good show so what's the and story with midsummer night's dream mm -hmm. so it's this like i guess it's like this old romantic comedy and you have um you have like multiple characters who are well initially you have i think her name is helena who's in love with lystander but um, her parents want her to marry um, Dimitri, so she runs off into the woods to be with Lysander, and somehow she's given this love potion that, well, not her, actually. Lysander is given this love potion, and Dimitri, and they felt fall in love with another girl. I forgot her name. I, I don't remember the plot very well. But um, And then it just creates this entire, like, romantic havoc, and... Um, yeah, and, like, there's also this, like, play within the play, so that's also another kind of side story that um, comes into the play towards the end. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot of different stories. <laughs> Maybe I'm not the best at explaining the No, plot, that sounds great. I had no um, idea. And there's fairies. Isn't there yeah, fairies? Yeah, there are fairies, and they're, like, there's, like, a queen, and there, there are a lot of magical elements to the play because, like, once the potion is given to the characters, they completely change and they're like lovesick and they start acting quite absurdly like there's this one character who turns into a donkey so it's it's pretty crazy it's pretty wild mm -hmm. um yeah and i think i think my favorite part of the show was actually i don't think it was actually part of the show it was a bit of a blunder on their part um one of the characters he was wearing he was portraying a woman so he had fake um balloon breasts <laughs> and like one of the other characters accidentally, I think, whacked him, which, like, caused one of the balloons to, like, blow up. It actually like, blew up? Yeah, well, like, yeah. Or it's, it like, out of the, punct the gown. It punctured. Oh, and goodness. And so it just reduced in size. <laughs> and um, everyone was laughing so much for, like, a good minute. But yeah. But he handled it so well. Yeah. Because, like, he took it out and he, like, pretended to blow into it. What are you going to do, but, right? Um, <laughs> but it worked well. Like, it worked with the play because it's a comedy. Oh, good. So yeah, it's really funny. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to criticize the hip hop. You know, it's oh, just it's that's okay. just my stance on any kind of yeah. play that incorporates modern elements. Aww. I get mad, but, but I think yeah, because I feel like when you read it in high school, it's more dreary. And, yeah, and it's, it's a fun play, but it's nice to see someone put a different spin on it. So. Was it hard to follow? I mean, because it's often hard to follow the verse, right, of yes. what the characters are saying, but you still get the idea from the action and certain things kind of sink in. Yeah, it was. I thought it was hard to follow. Yeah, because um, even now when I was explaining the plot, it just took me a while to kind of jog my memory mm -hmm. and try to remember who falls in love with who because there's a lot of um like gender bending so you have one character who plays a female and then a man a man and like it's it's a lot of changing genders and like and they have like m different storylines within the play as well like you have the play within the play and then you have like the all the stuff that's going on with like the the character with the love potions and the characters like kind of falling for each other in the forest and then you have like the story between, um, oh, what's her name? The, the queen and, like, the king, who she, like, adopts this little boy and, like, that story as well. Wow. <laughs> it's, like, multiple stories. It's, it's kind did of hard you, to follow. Did you but. use the porta potties 
unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were cleaner than expected. Yeah, they were better. Yeah. But, um, I, was, I did. The I venue was gorgeous. Yeah, so, the venue was um, nice. Yeah, my friend and I took so many pictures. Yeah. So. Have you ever yeah. seen Shakespeare, Arlene? Is there anything you remember, like, that mm. you've seen that stuck out? Um, well, I saw the that Summer's Night Dream and Night Summer's Dream as a film, a few films. Yeah, yeah. They've made most of them into films, I guess. I haven't seen it as plays, yeah. stage play. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any others, but those two, yeah. that, that one. Yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream. I saw it as a kid as well, and I just remember a pixie. That's all I remember. <laughs> but I remember the Scottish play better because there was a head on a pike, and I really mm. liked that. I it's like the that. original romantic comedy yeah. from back in the day. Oh, so. good. Excellent. Yeah. So anything else you're planning to go to over the next little while? I want to go to the folk festival. Yes. Are you going Saturday? Yes, I'm going to go on Saturday. Oh, my God. When are you going? Well, I'm going on Sunday, but the person oh. I really want to see and I'm going to talk... the person you really want to see? Joan Baez. <gasps> oh, I'm going to talk about her for cool. at length and she's only and later in the show. Saturday? I like her. I love her. Uh, um, she's She's... She's playing on Saturday night at 9.50 oh, okay. p.m. She's like the headliner. But uh, there's another band I want to see on Sunday, um, a Nigerian band. And I'm going to play some Joan Baez and some of the Nigerian band later in the show. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to be there Sunday. I really want to see Jay Milanowski. He's going to be there Saturday. So I'm hoping to grab an interview with him. So, yeah. Good. Oh, we're live broadcasting, aren't we? Yeah. Both I days? So. I'm not sure, actually, but possibly. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. Good. Excellent. Well, I want to uh, move on because we're going to talk about Gallery Gachet, which is a very cool artist-run center located in the downtown east side. Um, and it's a studio space built to empower participants as artists, administrators, and curators. So they do a lot of training um, for people, mostly people um, that have had issues related to mental health um, and marginalization. Uh, They have sort of a mandate around social justice. So... um, we agree to support the wellness of people marginalized by their mental health trauma and or abuse experience. So they're putting on a really cool looking exhibition right now. It's, it's been on for a while. It's called Mad Cartographies, Wilderness, Wilderness of the Soul and Mad Pride. And of course, I'm really into Mad Pride. So we're just going to leave you for a minute while I get Karen Ward, the curator of the show, on the phone. And then we'll be right back to talk about Gallery Gachet. The 37th annual Vancouver Folk Music Festival comes to Jericho Beach Park July 18th to the 20th. Over 60 acts from Joan Baez, Andrew Bird, Amos Lee, and Mary Lambert to Ozo Motley and Mauritania's Nura Mintsemali. There's a world of amazing music coming to your own backyard. The Vancouver Folk Music Festival. Info and tickets at thefestival.bc.ca. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. my life. I I wake up in the morning, I eat, I sleep, I shit. Breakfast with the Browns. Whatever it is, but I never shut it off for five minutes. I can't wait to impress my friends with my astounding knowledge. Join your favorite Brownsters and tune in and listen to the best selection of down-tempo electro-pop lounge core. Strictly Squaresville. Remember. Subtle. Basic. Brown. 
Breakfast with the Browns on CITR 101.9 FM every Monday morning from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. The older I get, the more life starts to make sense and the less I care. Now we're riding the rainbow, the clouds fit, and we're making it like hell. Now we're riding the rainbow to Cloudsville And we're making it like you Now we're riding the rainbow to Cloudsville You know, you can give a hundred examples of what it isn't But you man, you're gonna have a hell of a time saying what it is My name is David Scott, I play wide receiver for the University of British Columbia football team and I'm here to discuss the Be More Than a Bystander program. Myself and a few other players were lucky enough to work alongside the BC Lions and EVA, the Ending Violence Association, to support this cause. The main goal of the Be More Than a Bystander initiative is to increase awareness of domestic violence against women. For more information on the cause, please visit endingviolence.org. Attention grad students, share your research, find out what's going on in other disciplines, approach your work from a new angle. Check out Fire Talks, the interdisciplinary discussion forum sponsored by the Research Commons at Kerner Library. Visit bit.ly slash firetalk for more information. Hi. Hi there. Good afternoon. We're back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. So you're there, Karen? Yes. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we just had a little technical problem with the phone. Thank you to whoever came in here and helped me. So I'm really excited uh, to look at the website, um, Gallery Gachet. I hadn't really heard of it until I got wind of this show. So oh, okay. why don't you tell us about the gallery and the work that you do? Well, uh, Gallery Gachet, we're, we're an artist-run center. Uh, we are in the downtown east side. Our specific mandate uh, is around uh, mental health, and uh, uh, basically we exist to foster artwork before by uh, low-income and marginalized artists, and we work within the uh, community with uh, a lot of marginalized people and with a tremendously fertile creative ground to build upon. There are, there are there's a, a much higher proportion of artists in the downtown east side than there are anywhere else. So part of our role is to put that art on the walls and to foster creativity throughout our neighborhood. Um, as an artist-run center, we're, uh, well, first, obviously, we're a nonprofit, but we also, our, our mandate is around the artists running the gallery. Uh, we do have staff uh, who we hire, um, but all of the programming, direction, uh, event information, or event uh, organizing and planning is in the hands entirely of the artists. So we have, a, we have as it were, a dual mission, uh, once around arts, once around mental health, um, and given those circumstances, we don't consider those separate. Everything is everything is wrapped into one, and that's very much we're we're unique in Canada in that respect. Yeah. So talk about. So you talked about people with mental health issues, people that live in poverty or with histories of trauma or abuse. Talk about the role of art in recovery from those things um, that people have experienced. Well, yeah. Um, as far, I mean, I'm, I'm always hesitant to to use phrases like art therapy and things like that because it tends to be a very um, limiting. The way people think of it is really limit, limited. Um, what I tend to think about is art as work, art as sustained uh, work, both with the body and with the mind. In that sense. Uh, I suppose art can be considered as therapy because the role of recovery and, and the work of therapy is about not necessarily, you know, it, it's, it is about healing, but it's not about pretending that these problems don't exist. It's about using these differences to make ourselves stronger and to also find out what works within us that, you know, the very basic building block of creativity which is the uh, the um, ability which which rests in the desire and ability to connect with others. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So t- talk about this sort of relationship, and it, it mentions it on the website, and I'm a bit familiar with uh, this this link between brilliance or creativity and so-called madness. How do you see that playing out? Um, well, it's a it's interesting. I mean, uh, it's been. It, it, I mean, historically, it's important to bear in mind that this has been the case for some hundreds of years. This link between brilliance and madness. Um, there, and it. I mean, in particular, uh, here in our land of Gachet, um, Gachet itself is. We are named for. Vincent Van Gogh's homeopathic doctor that he basically lived in the same town with for the last year of his life. Um, the the um, idea that those who are br- either the other way, either way around, those who are brilliant are touched by madness, or those who are mad are touched by brilliance, it's a really common trope throughout Western Western European cultures. Um, part part of it in my in my mind is that for for mainstream society if you like both those concepts of brilliance like transcendent brilliance as well as almost what you could call a transcendent transcendent madness are so outside of the norm that people have trouble really understanding them so it's much easier to use a shorthand and say mad mm-hmm. than it is to actually get into the details of how one's mind actually works and how to understand other people's minds i always remind the uh, I'm, I'm always reminded of the latin phrase you know nothing human is alien to me yeah and yeah. and that's a, that's something that that we increase we are we have and continue to do to to to, to lose sight of um Dividing people and rendering them incomprehensible is is it is itself uh, an act of epistemological violence. Wow, I like that epistemological violence. No, I, I mean having experienced a psychosis myself, I understand how different it is from mm. kind of regular um, perception, and and it's difficult for people who haven't experienced something like a psychosis to understand. Yeah. And I guess that's where I see the link is in terms of creative thinking. You're creating something novel. Um, you're making connections where they didn't exist before, and that's what happens in yes. sort of altered mental states, whatever the yeah. cause. Yeah. Whatever the state, whatever, pardon the pun, whatever the state may be. I mean, there's, and there's that in, I mean, in a lot of sense, and in, in art as well as in life, as well as in the you know the realm of the not not entirely sane, there there is that challenge essentially to to perceived and normalized ways of of being and knowing. Um, and for myself, in my art practice, that's where the, that's where the you know that's the that's where the heart of it lies is in that challenge. Both and both, you know, whether it's the, I mean, I never think of it as merely aesthetic or, or whatever. I mean, I think, I think using art as uh, intervention into into everyday um, ideas of what is and what isn't and what's valued and what's not, and interrogating those categories is something that art can do um, in a very direct, emotive, and as well as an intellectual way. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you did. You went to school. To oh, study I, art. Did I go to school? It sound, does it sound like I went to school? A little oh. bit. That's a good thing. That's a compliment. Oh, I know. I'm just, I'm just making fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did do a little school. Yeah. No, that's good. So tell us, like, about the concept of mad pride because it's, it's sort of a thing. Um, as I understand, there's a psychiatric in the states. I guess they would call it the psychiatric consumer movement, being that yeah. pe- people were so uh, abused in the psychiatric system historically. Yeah. Tell tell us what Mad Pride is. Uh, well, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, to some extent, it's how you describe. It's a, it's a movement that, in a sense, takes its inspiration from uh, from uh, gay pride. Um, and the expanded universe of gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and queer pride, which we see enacted throughout the world, as well as uh, you know something to who people are working on in many different parts of the world. Um, so it's about first and foremost, it's about reclaiming the na- the labels that have been used to oppress us, words like mad and crazy and nut, mm-hmm. nutter and all that sort of thing, and reclaiming them as our own. Our you know determination to define our you know to to decide what we call ourselves and not accept the, the phrases that have been thrust upon us. Um, there's, there's the, 
and then there's the opposite of that that we work on inside of ourselves is to recognize that you know um maybe i really shouldn't be you know just saying well you know do i despair because i'm not normal uh do i despair because i i don't fit in with an incredibly brutal society that i mm-hmm. can't find a home for myself in that well maybe you know what maybe i don't want any damn part of your society um, maybe this is something, maybe, you know, the, the differences of, of who I am are in fact part of human history and human consciousness and is not something that we need to hide, that we need to feel ashamed of, that we need to, you know, uh, omit from our, from our, um, our self-definitions or our day-to-day activities, mm-hmm. saying that you are a psychiatric survivor begins to claim some of that power back that the psychiatric institutions already rendered upon you. Um, I guess thinking about that, oh, the question just left my mind. Oh, I was going to say, the sort of mad part is an antidote to self-stigma. So those beliefs that limit us inside about what we're capable of and the labels so oppressive and so on, sort of shedding that in a way. I think one of the most... uh, add on there one of the most the, the I should mention it at the, at the outset but one of the most crucial aspects of the whole mad pride is to uh, one of the most serious problems that people with mental illness face is isolation um, kind of the, and it's not just kind of a self-imposed turning one into oneself it's a combination of factors including you know the way that the doctors treat people the way that the the uh, you know the systems one lives in when you're in poverty, um, the way you're treated in, on you know on the street and in your day-to-day lives tend you know you tend to hide away and and isolate oneself and it's you know speaking certainly from my experience it's a very you know isolation is terribly lonely mm-hmm. and uh, and one thing that we do with Mad Pride is that we bring people together. And recognizing that you're not alone is, for many people, you know, including myself, when I first came to Gachet, recognizing that you're not alone is, is a major, major step into, you know, uh, finding a place where one can, you know, have that space to make choices about one's own life. Excellent. So tell us about the Icarus Project. So the, the work that's on display is, is part of something called the Icarus Project? Yeah. Um, you know, the Icarus, okay, the Icarus Project is uh, a group of mental health um, activists and advocates in the United States. Um, I don't know a great deal of their, of their detail, of their, the history of the group. Um, I have, well, first of all, the, art, the artwork presented by um, Jax McNamara, Faith Ryan, and Sharice Clark. Um, who lives here in Vancouver uh, is mind blowing. First of all, and uh, it's 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 around the idea of uh, of mapping to an extent, and and the ways in which uh, distance and boundaries and divisions play into this play into ideas of of, of madness and the and the perceptions of madness. Um, they've also produced a number of a number of books. Um, ranging from topics like uh, this, like a self-help guide to uh, getting off meds, um, a book around, uh, I think it's, one second, what's the bipolar group, the bipolar group book called? Friends Make the Best Medicine. Friends Make the Best Medicine? Yeah. Another wonderful book by them. So uh, you can see them, I think they're on, is it theicarusproject.net? Okay. Their, their work is available there, and I highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in these issues, specifically from a liberationist tra- standpoint as well. Excellent. So the show runs for another month or so? Uh, you have until the August long weekend to come and check it out. Okay, not that long. Like not that long. Okay. But, uh, should be. You should. Uh, you know. You can. <laughs> you can. You can come down to the downtown east side and and spend an afternoon with us. Uh, we're open from Wednesday to Sunday from twelve to six. Wednesday to Sunday, twelve to six. Well, great, Karen. Thanks so much for talking yeah. to us. It sounds like a great show. My pleasure, and uh, I hope your your own work continues well. Thanks Th- a lot. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye bye.
So that was Karen Ward from Gallery Gachet talking about the current exhibition Mad Cartographies, Wilderness of the Soul and Mad Pride. And speaking of Mad Pride, we're going to play a song by a really cool bipolar artist, uh, Daniel Johnson. He's a great singer um, and certainly a very sweet, oddball singer. So we're going to play his song called Loner, and then we're going to come back and talk about the Folk Festival. And we're also going to talk to Arlene Bowman about what she's up to. back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm here with Sahar and Arlene Bowman. Hi, Arlene. Hi. Thanks for sitting in today. Yeah. You were here a while ago, and you were very modest, and then it turned <laughs> out you're this accomplished filmmaker and artist, so tell us what you've been up to lately. Well, I was, I am still in it. This Indigenous Women's Art Group, I don't know their, I know their the abbreviations WCWA, and it was formed only two months ago. And during Indigenous women, most are into crafts, you know, the beading and treating, sewing powwow outfits, and other things. Um, and a one woman I know paints um, paintings, and she's an artist, and she has a lawyer background, which is interesting. Kelly, I think that's her name. And the one I was talking to was Jacqueline. Jacqueline. So 
But so me, there to have a, a showing at the Roundhouse in February, I was told. So to they're working on that. We're working on that. Uh, my I my I'm I'm a person that's working on um, still photography and possibly a video, but I don't think so much about the video. I'd like to, but um, it, you know it's expensive and you have to find this editing suite to work on it and all that. So I think it's going to be still photographs. Um, they're a really interesting group to work with, you know, because they come from various backgrounds. Um, so that's been going on, and um, and lately with myself, there's in film and video. It's mostly film and video. Um, I think the UCLA Film and TV Archive is trying to create this programming of Native American filmmakers throughout the United States, and they're going to have this. Um, program show over at uh, the film school at UCLA, I think, this coming fall, winter. And so I'm, I'm to submit the graffiti to his name is Shannon Kelly, Shannon or Shannon Kelly. He's the programmer there, so he can preview it. And I hope he chooses it. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a drama, and the others he's seen before such as, or he's previewed them, the Navajo talking picture and the women and the Nugget dancers and the song journey. So um, he's, he's, it sounds like he's selected some and wants to preview more. So wow, that's, see, that's what I'm trying to do right now. Are you going to go down to L.A.? Well, I'd like to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, UCLA is my, alum, I'm an alumni mm -hmm. at UCLA and, and so it'd be nice to go down there again. I was there last May. Yeah. And yeah, I would like to be there when this happens. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Good. And so you're also involved in CITR. What are you hoping to do here or learn here? Well, I I told I forgot your name. Sahar. 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 That I have an idea for my um, proposal. And it's to do um, interview a person by the name of Mark J. Mark J. McLeod, and he's a musician, songwriter, and um, also have him play and sing his songs. He's originally from Ambleside, um, Vancouver, you know, across North Shore. West Van, yeah. Yeah. So to do that, and if it's, I think it's a half an hour proposal. Yeah. So 15 minutes, about 15 minutes each to do that. So, but I haven't done the, I've taken all the production mm -hmm. workshops here. So, but the board, to work on that board, um, it's a little, um, well, hairy, scary. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? If I can do it, anybody can do it because <laughs> I'm really useless when it comes to technical stuff and if you can like make films you can do this yeah. if I can do this you can do it this practice, yeah imagine it's just the practice yeah doing and it's it just and like mics <clears throat> then computer so it's just if you play CDs that's too complicated for me I don't play CDs but but yeah, so well, thanks for sitting in, and afterwards, when uh, UBC Arts on Air is playing, we can talk about, um, just show you things a little bit. It's not so complicated, and in fact, anyone from the community can join CITR and take our training and get involved, be a volunteer, put in a demo for your own show, so we're really lucky to have CITR. Um, and CITR sponsors tons of events, so they sponsored the explosively successful Catsilano Festival. Did you go to that? Yes, I did. What bands did you see? I'm not sure. I wasn't there for long because I was fasting that day and the heat really got to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I left after 40 minutes. Yeah. So it was hot, I bet. Was I was really, camping. Really yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then we're we're sponsoring or one of the sponsors of the Folk Festival. Um, so let's talk about that. Hopefully Rohit will come in. Maybe we can shout out for Rohit to come in. Sure, yeah, but, well, how about I start, I can start talking about um, some of the festival, art. well, I just, all I really care about is Joan Baez, because I love her, I've been obsessed with her since I was a teenager, and so this morning I got up and was reading about her, I read one of her biographies as a teenager, um, and then 
you know, I've listened to her music for a long time. So I followed her too. Yeah, you followed her too. Yeah. So she was born. Um, I don't know. She's she's seventy three now. Whatever that make whatever year she was born, and she was an active as a musician for fifty five years. So since she was like in her late teens, she's made thirty albums, and traditionally she interprets other people's songs. She's not really a songwriter. Um, she's a Capricorn. She was born in New York. Her father was from Mexico, and he was actually a brilliant physicist who was a professor at MIT, and he was the co-inventor of the X-ray microscope. Uh, her mother was Scottish and was descended from these sort of famous British um, peers or nobility, the Dukes of Chandos, and uh, th- she's very, very gifted uh, as a person. There's something about her that's very special. She's stunningly beautiful. Uh, when she started on the folk scene, she was known as the Barefoot Madonna. Um, and she's just got this incredible voice, but really her passion more than music is social activism. And she's campaigned tirelessly since the beginning of her career, um, involved in civil disobedience. Uh, she worked closely with Martin Luther King, and, and she has a range of social justice issues she's interested in, such as poverty, gay rights in the time of Vietnam. Um, the death penalty. She was a key player in getting Amnesty International started in the U.S. Um, she's also been in relationships with some famous guys. So mm-hmm. Bob Dylan was in it. Uh, she was in a two-year relationship with Bob Dylan. Um, she wasn't impressed with him at first. She was more sort of well-known on the scene than he was. Um, and she called him an urban hillbilly. She thought he was kind of Lame, And he was also in love with her younger sister, Mimi. Um, but slowly, you know, that kind of changed, and she began to be quite taken with him, as anybody would, I guess. And she actually annoyed her fans by bringing him on stage in her concerts, like, and they'd be like, who is this guy, right? They came to see her, this wonderful singer. But she actually kind of launched his career. Um, she did wrote a song about Oh, yeah, she wrote a few. What's the one that you know? That one, that love song. I don't know the title of it, but it's one for She wrote one called Bobby or something. She's written a few, and he's apparently written a few about her. It was played on the radio, I remember, FM. Yeah, she's had some hits, actually. That was one of them, I remember. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, she's got an incredible voice. I'm going to play a song in a minute. Uh, and she, yeah, she then married this guy, David Harris. So they were both arrested for civil disobedience, and they met in jail. Um, then she got out, but he st- stayed in jail for a long time. And um, But they, you know, so they once he got out, they lived together. But it didn't last long after that. And, and she had his child, Gabriel, who plays drums with her sometimes. And actually, I didn't know this. I just found out this today. In the 80s, she dated Apple founder Steve Jobs. Yeah, I read it in oh. Jobs' biography. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, that's how I found so what, do you, what do you remember? What, what he, he said about her. her. That's all I know. He liked her a lot. Well, she was 14 years older. And it says in Wikipedia he wanted to marry her, but she couldn't have he figured she couldn't have kids in her early 40s. So, anyways, she's better off without him. Well, he's gone, he's gone now anyways. Sorry, Steve Jobs. Um, it was interesting. I love astrology, so I was looking at her astrology last night. Um, and, yeah, she's got a lot of career stuff there, a lot of kind of rock and roll stuff. There's some hints at some psychological issues, certain, a lot of, um, a bit of a dark sorceress kind of quality uh, and it was actually interesting because she's actually been open about claiming she has multiple personality disorder and I watched this BBC interview with her today where she quite like just frankly said oh yes I have personality disorder I've had trauma in my life so I mean a lot of people have been abused and traumatized typically we don't it's not a common thing people believe in multiple personality disorders it was certainly a fad at, at a time but she believes quite strongly that she has multiple personality disorder. So, I don't know. I personally, I don't really believe in multiple personality disorder. So, you know, maybe she's a little more difficult than she appears on the surface. But certainly she seems to have done therapy and continues like to be incredibly active as, as a musician and um, and in social justice, and we're really, really lucky, as far as I'm concerned, to have her at the Folk Festival. Although I think she's played at the Folk Festival, like, in recent years as well. 
but I would like to see her. But my pass is for the Sunday. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can see her on your behalf. You can see her on my behalf. Yeah. But I'm going to play one of my favorite songs by her. And this is kind of, it's a folk song, a traditional folk song. And it's kind of about, um, or maybe Dylan wrote it. I don't know. No. What's it called? Oh, here it is. Here's, it has its own Wikipedia page, this sign. It's called Silver Dagger, American Folk Ballad, oh, first published in 1907. That. Yeah, and it's um, the narrator turns away a potential suitor as her mother has warned her to, ad- to avoid the advances of men in an attempt to spare her daughter the heartbreak that she herself has endured. So, yeah, apparently there's more verses than Joan Baez recorded. So I'm going to play that, Silver Dagger, and then maybe hopefully we'll get Rohit in here. Uh, to talk about some other stuff. So here's Joan Baez singing Silver Dagger. We'll be right back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. Back on the Arts Report, that was Joan Baez, who's playing at the Vancouver Folk Festival. And Rohit, you're like the sponsorship guy. Yes, I am. And you've been organizing our sponsorship in um, the Vancouver Folk Festival. Uh, Yes, I have. And uh, we are fortunate yet again this year to be uh, able to have a little cute little booth right beside a stage, stage three actually. It'll be right across from. And uh, you can find CITR members over there. Uh, we're going to have like raffles going on. We're giving away CDs, uh, Discorder magazines, T-shirts, gear, merchandise, the whole shebang, you know. So if you want to pop by and pay us a visit, uh, we'll be right across from Stage 3. So give us a little shout, and uh, you'll notice us with the CITR banner and maybe some flags and uh, and CDs hanging on our tent. <laughs> are we live broadcasting? We are, actually. On Saturday the 19th. So this Saturday we'll be doing the live broadcast for the festival. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, there's some really cool bands that I'm looking forward to personally. Um, I got to interview Brastronaut, actually, last Sunday outside of a little coffee shop on Fraser and 15th. Uh, and 
they they're a great bunch of guys. I, I talked to Sam Davidson and Tarek Hussein. Both of them uh, are members of the band, and uh, they they have an extremely exciting uh, set of shows. They're going to be working with other artists too, doing some workshop series, which is their chance to basically jam with different artists that are also playing at the folk festival. So that will be definitely exciting. You'll be seeing them as a regular presence throughout the weekend. Uh, we also got uh, another cool band called Born Ruffians coming out of Toronto. Uh, they're a cool indie rock kind of band, and uh, I only just got to know them uh, in the past week uh, because I heard about them, and and they're excellent. A very catchy, danceable kind of music, and maybe it's not quite traditional folk music, but it's definitely fun uh, fun music for sure. <laughs> um, and if you're interested in like African rhythms and African music, there's a bunch of cool bands, two in particular. One's called Mukumba, um, and they're playing on actually Friday, July 18th on the main stage at 510. So they're one of the first bands to, to introduce the festival. They're coming out of Zimbabwe. Uh, the six young musicians of Mukumba, Mukumba sorry, um, are hailing from Victoria Falls, and they have great uh, traditional Tonga influences with some modern Afrofusion. So it's going to be a very exciting uh, drum circle kind of atmosphere with, yes. with that. That's going to be awesome. So uh, definitely look out for Mukumba. And the other great African act is going to be Siun Koti, and Egypt 80. Um, Siun Kuti is actually the son uh, of a legendary uh, musician, a Nigerian musician named Fela Kuti, who pretty much pioneered the whole Afrobeat movement. Um, Siun Kuti is able to carry on the torch uh, from his father, and he has mixed in a little bit of jazz and funk into the Afrobeat uh percussion and rhythm so that will also be an amazing show uh Siun Kuti and uh the Egypt 80 are playing on the main stage on Sunday July 20th at five o'clock so definitely catch them that'll be really exciting I'm catching them oh, I love class. African music yes and I'm, I'm very excited yeah? this is the band I'm most excited about other than Joan Baez which I won't see oh, yeah let's do yeah. That. <laughs> yeah so yeah, they're excellent. I'm going to play a song as we kind of sign off. It's it's almost time to sign off. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but, you know, just before we play Sion Kuti, um, CITR is sponsoring another event I just found out. So you probably know something about this. I'm singing at this event. It's the Mark Kleiner Power Trio oh. at the Fox. So I'm a good friend of Mark Kleiner, and we'll have him on the Arts Report just prior yes. to the show. Awesome. Um, but I'm singing <laughs> it. So then I was, like, really glad that we're a part of that. Yeah. Uh, Mark Kleiner had approached uh, Brenda, the station manager. So uh, she just basically forwarded me, and then uh, we got to talking, and now we're set up. Uh, we've, we're going to have some ads playing, and we're going to uh, have a promotional table at the show, of course, and make our presence known. And... Uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to that one. So, yeah, I, I, he's really great. Yeah, especially since you are singing, Sarah. I did not know about that. It's a pleasant surprise for me. You know that guy? You might not know him, Eric Carmen, who does "Hungry Eyes." Don't know. You got hungry eyes. We're doing another song by Eric Carmen. So I'm cool. called "Lose Control." So I'm very much looking forward to singing that. But yeah, it won't disappoint the Mark Kleiner Power Trio. So we'll look forward to that. As yet, some. Other summer fun. Mm-hmm. It's been a fun summer so far. Absolutely. So let's sign off. I want you to stay tuned for UBC Arts on Air, but I'm going to play this song. It's called The Mosquito Song, and it's by Siun Kuti. And uh, you can find him at 5.30 on the main stage. 5 o'clock, 5 actually. o'clock. On, on the-, the main stage at Sunday, uh, July 20th, so last day of the festival be sure to be there and do drop by the citr table and say hello to our many friendly volunteers exactly okay stay tuned and thanks for listening to citr 101.9 fm thanks arlene for being on the show yes thank you and thanks rohit we'll talk to you soon good as always thank you okay here we go the mosquito song
that this festival was going to be about malaria. And I heard the amount of people, the amount of my brothers that are dying every day. So I wrote this song because there's no way I can express myself except I do it in the song. So I wrote this song to talk about my brothers all over Africa dying of this disease. 